All right. I got some fun stuff this morning. I'm uh, not going to be like kind of a, tr- uh, a traditional or stereotypical Easter message um, this morning uh, as I was considering. Uh, thank you, Pastor Michael. Absolutely. Double thank you. I was just thanking you for like worship, you know, and that kind of stuff. But then you brought me water. And uh, so double. Um, and I thought about um, what I want to do. And I decided today that, uh, or before today, but I decided for today that, uh, that I actually wanted to start a new series. Um, I'm going to call the series Miracles. And uh, yes, I know my, my spelling is incorrect. Uh, my wife did not proof this. And so I, 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 if you read an email from me and it sounds good and has like good English, it's because my wife proofed it. If it's bad, like a text message or something you get from me, just know she did not proof it. That's all me. Uh, that's just how things work. And, uh, but I wanted to really just talk about the miracles of Jesus in this new series. And I spelled it miracles with the word M-Y, my miracles, in the sense of what are these miracles in the midst of, I'm not blind, I'm not lame, I'm not deaf, I may not have some of these illnesses, thankfully I don't have leprosy, although for the last couple of years it's felt like there's been something like leprosy going around and we're just getting through that, but, but I don't have any of these and we look at these miracles of Jesus and so I really wanted to look at what these miracles might tell us more about my life and about my God. And so that's why I'm calling it miracles spelled with the my. It's my miracles. And so I, I considered that for today. And so I wanted to, to, to bring some things and, and look at some things. And today I'm looking, at, I'm looking at this concept. I remember so many years ago uh, when I was not in church, right? Uh, not in church. And now, like, I was maybe in church. Uh, just for those of you that don't know, my dad is the senior pastor. I'm the campus pastor here at Arlington campus. My dad is the senior pastor. And so there was a point in my life when I would show up to church like about once a month, um, only because my dad was a pastor and kind of had like this, this guilt conscience that would come on to me every once in a while. Like maybe I should go in my college years. Maybe I should take a break from the Saturday night, Saturday night party and go to church. Um, and, and maybe do that kind of thing. Of course, I remember like the very first Sunday, I'm telling the story, this was not in my notes. Uh, the very first Sunday that he actually showed up to preach in San Angelo to be considered as a senior pastor. Uh, and, uh, and I had pink hair. And so, um, but anyway, as I'm sure it was a real proudful day for him in that moment. <laughs> He's like trying to get this job and his college son shows up with pink hair. Um, the punk era, anybody with me from the punk era? So uh, fun stuff. And uh, and, and, and so maybe I show up for, for church every once in a while. Let's be real. Like, I showed up because I wanted a free meal. Like, I, I, I knew that if I showed up to church, my dad was going to take me out to lunch. And then when I had kids and didn't have money and I had kids, and it's like, I need to feed somebody. Like, I don't just need to eat myself. I need to feed the kids. So I'll just go to church and he'll feed all of us, right? It's like, woo, and uh, leftovers, yeah. Like, it was just good, good timing, you know. And uh, but I remember not being in church and having those things of, like, still – especially college years and post-college and like still debating life and the meaning of life and still considering. And I remember one time when my friend was like, we're sitting down and I'm sure we're partying or whatever and just being whatever. And like, he was like something along the lines of, yeah, yeah. Like, like you can't sow bad seed. Like God can only bless you on the good seed that you sow. And, and there can't be bad seed, man. Like it just can't happen, man. And, and like, and, and had this concept and, we're here in our philosophical experience of being barely 20, right? And, and like, we know life. I'm sorry for any of you that are 20. Um, I know 
I'll remind you right now that I do have a 20-year-old daughter and a 18-year-old daughter, so so I understand what that is, and uh, I, and I see them, and I'm just like, oh, I remember those days. Any of your parents, you're like, yeah, I remember. I remember, I remember when I was a 16 and thought I knew everything, and then at 26. I realized what I didn't know, but still thought I knew everything. And then at 36, I recognized what I didn't know, but still thought I knew everything. And then at 40s, like, it happens every decade. So for those of you young, this is what you have to look forward to. It's, it's the forgetfulness of old age. We, we forget that we don't know everything, and we have to learn stuff. It's the way things work. You know, his, my friend, he, he had these ideas, and I was like, but practically, this doesn't even work. Like, surely... There is bad seed that we can sow in our lives. And in Galatians even tells us, don't be misled in Galatians 6, 7. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. We will always harvest. It's not even necessarily to give them a little bit of credit, it's not necessarily that God is coming in and saying, you've done this sinful deed, now it's time for me to punish you. But there's this rule, there's a, there's a law, almost like the law of gravity, how it works, whether we like it or not or believe in it or not, there's a law that's like, there is possibility of sowing bad seed. Some of you are like, yeah, like, you, you got weeds in your yard, you didn't sow a weed seed, right? I hope not, anyway, I won't go there. <laughs> But you didn't sow that seed of getting that thing that you didn't want, but somehow it's even ended up in your yard. And I talk about that so often about how we even have those situations. And then sometimes there are seeds that we do sow in our lives. For today's illustration, I have this thorn bush. Maybe you're not able to see it from from where you are, but this thing is pretty nasty. And we find times in our life, at least I have in my life, and and maybe if you've lived at all, maybe you've experienced this in your life, that all of a sudden you didn't even realize the seed that you were sowing, but all of a sudden at some point in your life you realize that you had a thorn bush in your life. That you had something that was ugly, you didn't like it, it was harmful and hurtful, and you didn't even mean to sow that seed. You didn't mean for this to end up in your life. We don't intentionally plant thorn bushes in our life. By the way, if I was in San Angelo or San Angelo campus, I would just walk into a field next to the church and find something nastier than this. By the way, like in San Angelo, like all the ground hates you. Like everything is angry. Even something that you think is, oh, it's pretty. Don't touch it. Just don't touch it. And, uh, but for here, I had to go and, and, and find this, this thorn bush and we have these issues. I have one, I have a picture of a bush in my house and I actually went and we had like some landscaping done and like squared off the bushes and made them all nice. And let me tell you, there's a vine growing up out of my bush that I did not plant. <laughs> that thing is nasty. It's got thorns. You absolutely do not want to touch that without gloves. And all of a sudden, like, I think it's all good, right? How often do we think we can just, we'll clean it up. We'll clean up our lives. We'll fix it and make it all nice and pretty. Where did that come from? Like, what, what? What is this situation that we have in our lives? And the Bible addresses this because when we look at people who need miracles, people are often asking the question, did he sin or did someone else sin on his behalf kind of thing? Did his parents mess up that he's now blind or is this his own result, his own issue? 
We find this in John chapter 5. We find somebody with a thorn bush in his life. In John chapter 5, it says, verse 1, Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city near the sheep gate was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him, he knew he had been ill for a long time, longer than possibly even the life expectancy, long enough to be known. And Jesus says, would you like to get well? Let me tell you today, right now, Jesus is asking you this very same question. Would you like to get well? Would you like me to remove this? Would you like me to handle this? Would you like to get well? The, Jesus is asking the man about a physical healing. But what about our spirit today? We may often be like, yeah, yeah. I see Jesus doing miracles all the time. And, and one, I, I may even wrestle with the idea of miracles and, and all of a sudden the blind seeing and the lame walking and, and people being healed in such miraculous ways. Maybe that's even hard enough for me to grasp. But then what does that even have to do with me? But Let's look at the inside of ourselves, our soul, and what may be there that we may not realize. And I think this is important because, as I'm going to point out, I think there are sometimes some actions that we do that we don't even realize there's a thorn bush. And we don't even, we don't even realize that our actions are connected to a pain, that our actions are actually connected to something else going on in our life, and we don't even realize it at the moments. I had a I had a teenager telling a lot of youth stories this morning. I remember I had this teenager who was always a jerk. Always a jerk. I shouldn't say always. I'm being dramatic. But he was a jerk often. Often enough to feel like always. He was always a jerk. <laughs> and like, but he never apologized. But all of a sudden, like, he'd be a jerk one Wednesday. And by Sunday, all of a sudden, he'd buy me a gift. Like, like how often do we do something like that in our lives? We're like, yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I want to hold on to this thorn bush, but, but you know, I, I'll just give some extra money in the offering this week. I'll just do something a little extra. I'll, I'll give that homeless person. I'll actually reach out and give some money this week, not out of a place of love, but out of a place of compensation because I have this in my life and, and I need to deal with it. And I don't know how else to deal with it other than let me try to hide it. Let me get some, let me get some flowers. Maybe if I, if I just... I don't want to deal with the thorn bush, but maybe if I prayed more, if I read my Bible more, if I did more of something else, and I can try to tip the scales back in my favor. And God, no, but don't touch it. Don't touch the thing that hurts. Don't even, don't even mess with that. But let me just try to get it back. Let me try to do these things to help compensate. You ever found yourself in life Maybe I'll just go to church that once a month for my dad to get a free meal. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll do that thing. And the thing is, as you can see here, like it doesn't actually hide anything. Maybe if you're far enough in the back row, like maybe you don't see the thorns as much. And like the thorns are small enough as long as you stay at a distance. And that's just part of it too. Well, don't come close. Like I can maybe try to fool you. If I can hold you at a distance and keep you far enough away from my life and not be vulnerable, 
and not be real. But if I can keep you far enough away, then maybe I can fool you with the flowers in front of my thorn bush and you won't even notice. You just think this is greenery until you get close enough. So don't come close to me. Don't, don't, don't get near. And we'll do that with people. We'll do that with God. We'll do that with family. We'll do that with church. And we'll come into even spaces like this and, and we'll just work so hard. And maybe, maybe you, you don't even realize there's a pain, that there's a suffering that's taking place, a root of something in your life, and you don't even realize the actions. Sometimes, sometimes we just want to try to distract from it. Well, what are you doing? Don't look at my thorn bush. Don't look over there. Look over here. Uh, look, look over there. What about your sin? What about your thing? What about your issue? What about your lifestyle? What about your addictions? What about your thing? And, and, and don't, don't, look, don't look at my thorn bush. Just focus on your thorn bush. Just focus on what's painful in your life and, and forget about mine. How many times as Christians have we even been, been caught in this own trap and we've had these great discussions and young adults on Thursdays where we've been talking about even, even wrestling with some of these actions and how we're labeled as Christians because so often I think we have we have brought this upon ourselves because we tend to stand in a place like this of, no, 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 not my thorn bush, yours. And we, and we stand over here pointing at others and their issues and their sins while we think that we're actually hiding something in ourselves and we're not. It's actually more evident than we realize. And maybe we don't even realize again, once again, that the actions that we're falling into is a response is a response to the pain that we're experiencing or the discomfort that we don't like. And we often don't even realize or how many prominent Christians in the church have come down and, and, and their moral failure been taken down for the very same sin that they spent so much time pointing at and railing against. And the whole time it was their own thorn bush. It was their own pain. And so then what do we do? What do we do when we have this? Well, I'll tell you one of the things that we think we're going to try to do. Well, it's my thorn bush. It's, it's my issue. It's my sin. So then if this isn't going to work, then, then I know what I need to do. I need to, I need to try harder. I need to get a grip on this and I need to rip it from the ground and I need to try to unplant this out of my life. And instead of relying on the same grace that saved us through Jesus Christ, we think that we have the power and we have the ability to remove this thing from our life that we have been watering and, and giving ground to and probably even fertilizing. And we have been cultivating this thing in our lives of our own efforts and we think that I'm gonna do it. You know what? I can overcome this sin. I just gotta try harder. I just got to be smarter. I just got to know more things and somehow I will overcome it. And we forget to rely on the same grace that saved us. What happened? Was the grace that saved us not good enough for the sin that we committed afterwards? The same grace that Jesus Christ gave us through his, his sacrifice and death and burial and resurrection, is that not the same grace that we're operating in now? And if it had power to resurrect our souls and our lives, then what about now? 
And we think that if we can just try harder, that we can pull it up ourselves while failing to realize with our bloody hands that there's a savior who already had bloody hands on himself for our sins and our thorn bushes and our issues. And we think that if we take it upon ourselves, that maybe we can become our own savior. And it doesn't work. I love the language in 1 Peter chapter 1, especially in the ESV. In chapter, chapter 1, verse 18, it says, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways, futile ways of trying to do this on our own. The futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. Can I get an Amen. we come. Instead, we come to Jesus. And we say, Jesus, this isn't mine to take. This is yours. I know I made this mistake. I know I planted this seed. I know I watered it and cultivated it. And we think that, we think what was ours is really just needs to belong to Jesus. And Jesus comes along and he takes the thorn bush and he removes it from our life. He forgives us of all our sins. Jesus takes something, as we know this Easter, even something as symbolic as a crown of thorns and, and wears it upon his head, not put there by himself, but placed upon him. And Jesus takes something that is would be so hideous, so hurtful, so damaging. And he gives it a whole new meaning and he takes something that's ugly and he gives it new life and Jesus removes the thorn bushes from our life. Speaking of things that we often believe that may not be how we thought at one time, I used to live like this, this idea that it would all just, it would all come around, it would all be fine, Jesus is, he just takes this, right? He just takes this thorn bush and he just removes it and everything's wiped clean. Now, as far as our sins, absolutely. As far as um, being forgiven of everything we've done, absolutely. But there's a problem with this because we all know that there are some of those decisions that we've made in our lives that can't be taken back. That relationship that broke can't be taken back. It can't be healed. It's too late. That decision, that financial decision that was made or the business that was lost cannot be redeemed in the natural. That can't be fixed. That can't be done. The, the, the child, the unexpected child um, that was, whether it was kept or lost or given up, those are decisions that, that can't be changed. And we're in these situations and, and, and children are a blessing, absolutely, but sometimes we're not prepared. And how do we handle life in these situations when we just can't take it back? I, maybe you're still fighting and believing for a miracle in your life and you believe that there's a thorn bush that's still there at this moment because you are still believing. You still have those issues. You're still getting chemo. You're still in the midst of the storm and the issue. And how do we deal with those, those thorns and those things when we still have thorn bushes? when we still have past mistakes that we're still living 
today. And it's those are the thorn bushes that we really need to talk about, that we really need to look at. And thankfully here, we see in, back in John chapter 5 and verse 8, we see Jesus told him. He asked the man. The man doesn't even respond. The man gives excuse. I love when Jesus is like, do you want to be healed? I'm like, man, like, I don't know. If I got, you know, an issue or whatever, and, and Jesus Christ himself says, do you want to be healed? Like, I would hope that maybe I would move beyond my human condition and actually kind of be honest and upfront. I mean, of course, Adam and Eve weren't even up front back in the garden when it first happened. So maybe my initial response would be the same. And I would tend to want to hide or excuse or deflect from what's actually going on in my life and be like, oh, well, but God, you know, I'd, I'd go to church more if that person would just act right. You know, if you fix that person, like I'll go to church more or I'll do this thing. Like we've always got some sort of scapegoat, right, that we're still operating in. The guy's like, oh, no, but every time the angel comes around to stir the waters, believing for a miracle. There's no one to put me in. Like, I just can't do this. This just doesn't work. It doesn't happen. We all have these issues. And Jesus doesn't even address them. He just says, he told the man in verse 8, stand up, pick up your mats, and walk. Instantly, the man was healed, and he rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. I don't know about you. But if I just got healed and I've been laying on this thing, now hopefully maybe it wasn't the same sleeping mat for 38 years, really bless the guy if it was, but, but if I just been laying on this thing day in, day out, waiting by a poolside, waiting for my miracle, Bethesda meaning mercy, waiting for the mercy of God to come into my life for a healing that I've been suffering for so long, maybe the thing that represented my illness, my ailment, is not the thing that I want to take with me. But Jesus specifically gives them instructions to take up your mat and walk. He doesn't say leave it behind. He doesn't even leave this blank and the guy just happens to take it up. The guy takes it up. Jesus, why is this very thing the thing that you want him to take with him? He is healed. Shouldn't all that be left behind him? Shouldn't it be a new start, a new beginning? There is nothing new. Come, there's nothing old coming with the new. He is a new creation at this point. Are we not? But maybe Jesus recognized there are some things we just can't leave behind. The man was going to be known. He was going to be seen. And all of a sudden, this man who had been known as a, as a lame man for all this time by the pool was going to start walking. What would it look like if all of a sudden you broke free of that addiction and all the people that had been maybe even helping you in it all of a sudden saw you free and walking? What would that do? How shocked would some of those people be in your life? Or the life of a friend. Maybe, maybe you're the one that you've been viewing through the window from the outside and you've been seeing the situation play out. And you're seeing, yes, God, I see who you're talking about. I see this situation. And I've just been looking. And he says, take up your mats. No holding back. Maybe sometimes the miracle we need is because we're just in the situation of not receiving it yet because we're so ashamed of our past. We're so ashamed of our situations and our, our places that we found ourselves into. Even if we made mistakes that we cannot possibly grasp hold of what God wants to do in our lives because we cannot let go of this. We choose to continue to hold on to pain and bleeding of our own efforts because we won't give it up to Jesus. And we think, 
how often do we want, we want the new thing, we want the healing, but we want to hold on to this thing. Like, like can, I, can I just keep holding on to this sin, though? Can I keep holding on? Oh, man, like, I really want to accomplish this and do this thing. And, uh, and like, I remember, like, by the way, like, I remember when I used to smoke, and, and I remember, like, what I couldn't afford, and then all of a sudden I finally quit smoking. It was like, oh, wow, I can afford that. Like, it was amazing the things that, like, all of a sudden when I got over something in my life, I was like, the other things, like, made way. It's just the natural, the practical. And there are things. It's like, but, but if, can I hold on to this too? Can I keep this thing in my life while also having this? What is your thorn bush? What is the thorn bush in your situation and your life? The decision that you've been carrying that has been haunting you or weighing on you, it's been a burden, it's been heavy, you feel tired, you feel weak. And you've, you've, you've come to the altar, you've come to Jesus. And maybe it's just a decision that you're still just living out and there's just, there's no way to get past it other than time and paying the consequence of some of those decisions. Maybe it's just moving on and realizing that it's, it was your thorn bush that you created, but maybe it's Jesus' to bear. And that it's not yours to continue to be weighed down by. And I know that family member, they're going to know that you always made that decision and always had that issue and that mistake. But we move from a place of shame to a place of saying, you know what, but God. I was addicted, but God. I was broke, but God. I was poor, but God. I, I, I had this issue, but God. Yes, I was angry. I was even a furious Christian and always angry and always mad at the world, but God. And, and we find ourselves in a situation, and yes, you know what? That's my mat, and I will no longer be ashamed of my mat. I'm going to pick my mat up, and I'm going to walk. And I love back in the story of John chapter 5, verse 9, it says, Instantly the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath, so the Jewish leaders objected. That's when you feel like the music like shift and it like goes all of a sudden dark. We're like, oh, happy, like everything's good, right? Everything's good. And then the Jewish leaders, like, and all of a sudden it just shifts. It says they objected. They had, they said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat, which I love because the, carrying the, the sleeping mat is absolutely not against the law. It's against an extra code that they created out of the law to give more rules to the rules that already existed to, because maybe if I get the rules right, that maybe I'll find myself getting to God. And so the religious people are putting more weights and trying to put more bound, uh, being bound by things on, the, on this man. It says, you can't carry the sleeping mat. But he replied, the man who healed me told me, pick up your mats and walk. Sometimes we don't need a response for the people that are pointing at our, at our, at our mats, pointing at our thorn bush. And we move out of a place of shame and, and condemnation and, and listening to the words of the enemy about our issues and our past and our mistakes. And say, you know what? But there was a man who forgave me. There was a man who redeemed me. There was a man who sacrificed himself for me. There was a man who bled on my behalf. So I don't have to believe trying to pick this up out of my own life. 
who said that? Who said such a thing? They demanded, may the miracles that take place in this house be a laugh in the face of the religious to say, but how can that be? How can that be possible? May miracles take place in this house to confound the religious and the wise. May miracles take place in this house to show the world who Jesus is. And as those who were not Jewish would see a man carrying his mats and arguing against the religious leaders who had been there for 38 years, all of a sudden be healed and walk back into the world and be like, how can this be? Because of a man named Jesus. Not because of my rules and my regulations and enough of the right thing, but enough of the right person. That it is simply his sacrifice and his life that was paid. In Romans 8, verse 28, I'll close with this. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Everything to work together. We have this issue that maybe God cannot take up the thorn bush, but maybe he can redefine what we thought was the thorn bush. And all along, what just looked harmful actually had a different meaning than we even realized. Maybe what appeared to be a thorn bush in your life was just an opportunity for God to transform it. What you thought was a, a thorn bush all the time, all along, was actually a rose bush. And God's saying, if you'll just trust me, if you'll just trust me, you can see what I can do with a crown of thorns. You can see what I can transform, what was intended for death, what was intended for destruction, what was intended to wreck your life and keep you from a purpose and a plan that God had for each and every one of you. What the enemy intended for evil, what he tried to steal from you, what he tried to kill in you, what he tried to destroy in your life, Maybe it doesn't ever get removed. Maybe it gets transformed. If we'll be willing to allow him. It says, work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. That's every one of you. For God knew his people in advance, so he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing. Right standing. Have you been lame for years? Have you been lame in your spirit? Have you been lame in your mind? And you've been crippled and defeated and laying down when you should be standing. 
Have you felt so defeated in so many areas or maybe just one area that just continues to dominate the rest of your life and you haven't figured out how to deal with it and remove it instead of letting God transform it and use it? The thing you've been ashamed of and trying to hide and accuse, you've been trying to point and deflect is the very thing that God says, no, no, bring it to me. Whatever the illness is, whatever the issue is, I want to give it purpose and I want to use it. What the enemy meant for evil, I will use for good. What appeared to be death in the grave, I will open up and bring light into the dark place. But will you be willing? Will you be willing to say, yes, but God, this thing, but God, because of one man named Jesus Christ who loved me and cared about me who has put me in a place of right standing, no longer crippled. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. Say, I have his glory. I have his glory. This is a thing for each and every one of us. This is a thing, family, that I believe is a moment for us to become free, for our church, for the people of this community, to reach this community, for us to go out of this place and no longer be bound by the things that trip us up where you can walk in a freedom that we've not known. And maybe, maybe you just realize today that maybe some of these actions are things that you've, you've been doing and you've not even understood why. I, I've not even understood. Giving is absolutely a blessing from God for us to give out of what he has already given us. Serving is absolutely a blessing from God. He has given us life. He has given us opportunity. And we step into a church and we serve and we give and we be a part as well. All these different things are amazing and are opportunities from God for us to be a part of what he's doing on earth. Heaven on earth. Sharing our faith, absolutely. But if our motivation and our behavior is coming out of a place of pain and difficulty or trying to compensate for the issues of our life, let's, let's stop it today. Let's, let's end it today and, and find the right motive, find the Jesus in our life. If the accusations, the, the blood on our hands, when we partner with the accuser, pointing at those around us, instead of saying, look, it doesn't matter what your situation is. It doesn't matter your addiction or your lifestyle or even how you talk. Like, like, it doesn't even matter. Just come, come to this house, come to this family, be a part of here. Why? Because I'm not here to point fingers. I'm here to show the way. If I'm pointing a finger, I'm pointing to the church, not at a person and not at a sin. If I'm going to point fingers, I'm pointing at myself because how much do we really know? Like if I'm just pointing a finger, like I've really got three more pointing back at me, right? Like that's how it always works. But if I'm going to point fingers, Let's no longer be accusational about how we live life and say, you know, just come with me. Come to this house because here is a place of miracles. It's a place of our souls being healed, our spirits being redeemed, our minds being set free. It's a place of miracles. And that's why we're gonna do this series on miracles is we're gonna talk about what God is gonna do in our life. We're gonna talk about what God is gonna do in your life. We're gonna talk about what God's gonna do in the life of this community. And may we always, always be a church that just tells people to get up and walk, to take up your mats. I know it's heavy sometimes. I know it represents a past and a history. 
but take up your mats. And I'm going to talk in a couple of weeks about when we don't take up the mat, but that's going to come later. But sometimes, maybe that message will be for you if this one today isn't for you. Maybe this message today is for you. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? God, I thank you for Jesus Christ and all that he did, that he would take even death. He would take even the mat of his life of the things that were done to him, the scars on his hands and his forehead and the piercing in his side. And God, that even those things did not stay in the past. They came with him even after the resurrection. The evidence of his past and his walk was still there on his physical form as he appeared to the disciples. And he said, look here at the scars of my hands and the piercing in my side. Because even Jesus Christ himself would have a mat that he would have to pick up and carry. And if Jesus Christ, our Savior, would do such a thing of picking up a mat, then surely, God, we can too. Surely, God, you can help us if we will simply humble ourselves and surrender to your will, your power, your grace, your mercy. We are the lame man at the pool of Bethesda, the pool of mercy, representing the need for a miracle. We are no different. We are here in need of a miracle. And we thank you, God. I want to lead you in a simple prayer. It's a prayer for all of us, whether it's your first time at church or you've been here many times, whether it's your first time at any church or whatever, or you grew up in church, whether you're deciding today to give your life to Jesus for the first time, to give your life back to Jesus, you've been far from home and you're ready to come back like the prodigal son. The father is looking, he's waiting. He's not waiting for you to come all the way. He is looking up to the horizon to see you being willing to show up back at home. Maybe that prayer is for you. Maybe this is a prayer for you just to partner with those around you as we all say this together as one church, as one body, as one in Jesus Christ. Repeat after me and say, dear God, thank you for Jesus Christ his sacrifice, his death, his burial, and absolutely his resurrection. Thank you for love and mercy. I have planted bad seed in my life. Help me to overcome. Take up what can be taken up and transform what can be transformed. I look to you for my healing. In the name of Jesus, by your name, heal me right now, whatever my illness, I look to you, the resurrected name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's stand right now and worship God. We've got one last song that we're going to sing. This is a time for us to press in. This is a time for us to continue to listen to God. After service, we're going to have roses that are going to be available as you exit today to send you home with a rose. Maybe you need to take home that reminder, a rose to say, yes, what has thorns has a different value. I will not focus on the thing that hurts, but will redefine this to a thing of beauty, to a thing of value, to a thing of meaning, and to give God opportunity to make this a whole new thing and transform my life. But right now, let's just continue to press in to what God is doing this Easter.